0: What are you doing for Memorial Day weekend?
1: What am I doing for my Memorial Day weekend? (laughs) I've got the best working vacation planned ever. Of course, when your work is fun, a four-day weekend spent with creatives is nothing short of amazing. I'm hitting up several of the writing panels, anything that involves superpowers, but also that gritty sci-fi thriller vibe. I've got to say hi to the guys from Flying Island Press who'll be there, and I know I promised to hang out with several folks who said they'd have first drafts done to share. Chris, I'm looking at you. Oh, and I totally need to thank authors in person who've given me voiceover work this past year, too. Oh, and there will be at least one writing morning at the nearby Panera. I hear it's where all of the cool folks go for coffee. So, where am I spending this amazing weekend? I'm going to Balticon!
0: That's Balticon, the Maryland Regional Science Fiction and Fantasy Convention, held Memorial Day weekend each year. For more information, go to Balticon.org.
2: Previously on HG World Presents, The Googees. Are you sure you don't need a nap?
3: A nap? Oh, fuck you, Jimmy Olsen. Let's get this over with. (coughs) Uh,
2: Okay. I see
3: Brother Mountcastle clearly under a spotlight. He stood on the stage in front of the curtain. The curtain opened and bang! All I see before the lights go out inside my head are two big lumps. I fell through a hole in the world and found myself in a boat drifting across still water.
2: You were hallucinating.
3: I don't think so. It was, it was a very vivid dream. But then again, not. When I woke up, someone had bent my nose back into shape and stuffed it with packing peanuts. Sister Jo was cleaning the last of the leakage off my cheeks with a warm washcloth.
1: I'm sorry I had to put you down like a game animal, but I couldn't risk you angering the red monks.
3: But were those things?
1: They are not things, they are gods.
3: Sweet sister Jo. The world will never see her likes again. <laughs> I hope. One moment she could be the most scattered, useless broad. The next, she could be riding a polar bear in a metal bikini. Charging a giant fucking squid beast with a pink lightsaber. Uh she
2: could be a force of nature. Sounds like you were close.
0: Yeah,
3: well, we got a history, kid. Sounds like you like it here,
0: all things considered. All things considered, the monsters are already inside. Difference is, we got control of them for now.
3: What? They're inside the hotel? The Cedric Ballroom. Am I in time for the reception?
1: You are in time for a very special reception. Uninvited. But I suppose you should see this.
3: This is the Lounge of the
4: Airs And who the fuck are the Heirs? Hello, Mr. Peters. And now, HG World presents The Googees, Chapter 4.
3: You just had to be there, I guess, kid. It wasn't just sloth. See, there were two other wobbly mountains of flesh in that room I didn't get the pleasure of meeting.
2: Brother Glutton and Brother Gorge. Sounds like a law firm from Dante's Hell. (laughs) Yeah, well, all three of them were draped in painter's tarps.
3: Fucking painter's tarps. And the tarps were all painted on in in bright colors like some kindergarten mural. You know, handprints, big sloppy kid names, stick figures, puffy clouds, sunshine. You could sleep a group of four in each of their pitch tents. Man, and it stank. Stank like the Popcorn Express. no. Not worse. You usually don't see someone in that kind of body still moving, much less grinning like a fat kid in a bathtub of fudge.
4: Mr. Ken Peters, this is Brother Sloth. Oh, I see lightning in your eyes. Please, smile. Don't fight what your heart wants. The sight of me amuses you. I can appreciate that. I do not see this scorn that sometimes comes with discovery.
3: Thanks, uh, big guy. So, uh, Brother Loving, uh, is this your God, then? No, no. This is an heir, a sort of candidate, one of three,
5: for this round of selection. Brother Sloth was chosen from over a hundred red monks for his physical and psychological gifts.
4: Gifts? You must be, what, eight hundred pounds? I am proud to say that this morning. I topped one thousand pounds. Crap in a hat! What do they feed you? Uh, Mr. Peters... That's Now, Brother Loving, I am a worthy vessel, and would delight in outlining my accomplishments. It took much work. Right, of course. So,
3: Brother Sloth, why?
4: Why what, my son?
3: Uh why uh, all this? I mean, if the, if the eaters get in here, I mean, no one's going to fireman-carry you out of here. And that cart you're sitting on isn't
4: rated for off-road travel. You haven't been told yet. I understand. No, we're breaking him in gradually. Oh, I see. Perhaps a quick jump into a cold pool is better than wading in slowly. Perhaps, brother. Unrelated. Brother Loving, have they made a choice?
5: Not yet, not yet. Of course, when they do, you'll be one of the first to know. Hey there,
3: still here. What don't I know?
4: I am a candidate for a great blessing. If selected, I will commune with our God.
3: can see by the look on your face that you ain't used to such rites and rituals, kid, <laughs> just as well that never caught on well, walking back through the lounge of airs, you could see the tension on the fat, oily faces. These men, three monstrous men, looked like their entire lives were about to be judged. It was. Kind of like an old game show where the judges took forever to decide who was going to leave the island or or get out from the next round, scared, scared, Brother sloth spent his time looking over his own drop cloth, smiling at the watercolors and the finger paint. <laughs> He'd draw the fabric up to get a better look at some kid's handprint, not giving a shit that he was giving everyone in the room a look at his rolls of sagging belly fat and the stumps of his legs. You know, of the three, he was the only one at peace. When he looked at me, I know he must have seen the horror and disgust in my face, but he just smiled like he understood what I was feeling like he knew better, and that was enough. He'd look at Joe and just gaze like a kid seeing his first Ferrari. His eyes sparkled this unnatural blue, and he was impossibly innocent for living in such a horrible time. But he smiled, especially when she walked into the room.
4: Hello, Sister Joe. Blessings upon you.
1: Hello, brother.
4: Not Joe. I know that look. The Prophetess. Sister,
5: am I addressing Duralcia?
1: Brother Loving, hello. Brother Sloth, you do well in the eyes of the gods. Blessings upon you. Blessings abundant.
4: Thank you, sister. It is good to hear your voice.
3: Uh, scary Joe's back. You guys look like Vanity Race just strolled in.
1: Brother Loving is showing you about like this is some amusement park. Ah,
3: sister, I merely wanted...
1: Brother Peters deserves to see it all. As Brother Sloss says, leaping into the water is better. Don't you think, Brother Loving?
5: Yes.
4: Yes, of course, priestess.
1: Come with me, Mr. Peters.
4: You see why I so love the sister, Kenneth? She is a singular treasure. Uh,
5: yeah. This way. I want you to see the antechamber.
2: Wait, I don't understand. What just happened? Who is Durasha?
3: Just one of her selves who was more important than I knew. This one mind, uh, maybe her true self, I don't know, I don't know emerged there. It, and it wasn't just a voice, but the way she held herself and the look in her eyes, like she owned the place, owned the world, maybe. This wasn't Joe. This was Duralgia. It made sense to see her there because it was a room that made no sense. No sense at all. Like I might look around a fat roll and see penguins forming a pyramid or, or juggling emus or, or a plastic lawn jockey on top of a giant floating disembodied monkey penis. In this world of famine and plague... Here are these these humongous fat boys wobbling on carts like weebles and commanding the love of these whack jobs around me. Of course, Duralcia walks in like she's some celebrity. <laughs> this was this was her home. She was never more together than she was in that room. She led me there, and
2: and there I was. You know, I. I Ah, of course you don't. So these men were worshipped. What about the red monks?
3: Well, they stood silent vigil over it all. Big fuckers, too. Well over six foot and built like linebackers. But the ballroom, with all its attendants and red monks, was the audition room. Every one of those fat, crusty bastards was fighting for the chance to get into the next room. The sacred chamber where I met, oh man, how do I describe it? There is no man on earth this size. When they opened the doors, it was like taking a deep breath over a mass grave.
1: What is this? May I introduce you? Brother Kenneth, please meet Shepherd Gourmand the third.
3: It's an eater
1: Stand down, Kenneth. He is no threat. He is at peace. That
3: is the most
1: He's rotting. Oh the smell. Why he is beautiful, you have my greetings,
3: Shepherd
5: <coughs> <coughs> Shepherd Gourmand chose the name of our first successful interface with the
3: gods. He has no legs. I wondered why he was so low in the cart. He's got no fucking legs. <coughs>
1: He is merely in awe of your greatness Shepard. this this is the one you
2: spoke
5: of Shepherd, chosen and blessed are we
3: um, you got a little um uh, uh, eyeball on your you know, on your cheek there, sir. I don't want to know what you got all over the rest of you. Why doesn't he have a dress, or a mumu or whatever, like the others?
1: The others have not been interfaced. They are still being celebrated. Shepherd Gormond, we bring you the man of the prophecy. His name is Kenneth. Kenneth!
3: Interfaced? You mean infected. Kenneth. You're one of them things that ate half the planet. But you got a voice.
1: He is more than voice. He is shepherd.
3: (laughs) Can't see Laughing Boy chasing down anyone in his flock, even if he did have both legs. So what do you want? Do not blaspheme in here, man. I warned you. Yeah, big grub motherfuckers. But Zombie Jabba here has my attention. So talk.
1: He only speaks to those of us who have used to him. Your hour of usefulness has not yet come.
3: Oh, shut up. He just said my name. He's looking at me the way his kind do out on the highway. Desperate hungry. But he don't look stupid. He looks crafty. That's right, big guy. You're thinking of a hundred ways to bite off a piece of us right now, eh? Or uh, maybe just me?
1: That is enough, Kenneth. Forgive him, Shepherd. He is a product of the great fear that consumes this world. He does not see your wisdom. He sees only the weakness of the flesh. Time.
0: Time.
5: <coughs> Coming soon. What time do you speak of, Shepherd?
4: Time, time of great. Change.
1: He's so happy to see you, Priestess. It is most excellent to see the Shepherd as well. Thrilled to see the Prophet here.
3: Would you knock it off? What the hell is this whole prophet bullshit? I'm just a trucker at the end of the world, standing in a room with a bunch of fucking lunatics. That's enough of a... Now what the fuck is that?
5: They've made a decision.
3: They're going to choose a successor to Shepard Gourmand. Great then I should be gone and let you guys do that voodoo you do, so screwed up. But
1: you must see, Kenneth. All disclosure is what you said.
3: John, Duraltia, Sybil, I, I, I don't care. I shit weirder than this, but you refuse to get to your point. What do you want from me, and how much does it pay? Either get to it or put my ass back on the road. I'll take my chances, okay?
1: You so want to know. Would it shock you to know that Shepard Gourmand, the first of the name, took me as his attendant?
3: And you scraped the chicken grease and rotten spooge squirting out of his greasy dead pores, eh? Ah, goody for you.
1: I was his lover.
3: uh, Now you're just being stupid. You guys aren't letting me out of here without a fight, are you? It isn't up to us. Then who? Is it up to you, fat man? (coughs) Your time has not... Is back this way.
5: Guardsmen, bring the receptacle.
1: Step away, Kenneth.
5: Happily. Thank you, brothers. In the ritual of succession, the standing shepherd must, at the time of exhausting the last of his human form,
3: He excretes the sum of what it has learned of us. So, he sweats out, and you mop it up in that rag. No, not C-crete.
5: It excretes. This is the cloth to protect the urn. Guardsmen, to your posts. Shepherd Gorman, thank you for your service to us. Blessings abundant. As Brother Gordon, you were a good and excellent friend. When you were chosen, I rejoiced. Endured so much for your cause, my friend.
2: Brother, laughing. So soft. So much.
1: Love. Shepherd, we are forever grateful. I ask that you surrender this man's soul to the ether and distill your essence so we might sustain you into a new generation.
5: He is prepared.
1: Farewell, Shepherd Gourmand.
5: Guardsmen, press forward. Place the receptacle into position.
1: ...is
0: done. Oh,
3: this is... What just happened? This man's dead dead. What happened to it?
2: So he was the chosen one, then? Nope. No? Why not? How did they pick the right man for the job? No idea, kid. All I know is that
3: Brother Sloth said nothing. He didn't get a memo or a pat on the flab for his effort. It was just over. And time to move on. Loving Joe and I went up to him, and he seemed like every other catatonic refugee I'd ever met out there. He looked like his entire world just winked out, and he was back wherever he'd been in that whole mess. Probably no family or friends left outside the room. Except for Joe, maybe. He asked Joe to look in on the children for him. And then he did something strange. He asked Joe to take his covering.
1: Why do you want to give me your dressing?
4: Because you know I will not need it. Sister Joe. I so love these children. I don't wish to see their work destroyed.
1: Of course, brother. Of course.
3: And that was it. Hey, you stop taking
2: any notes. I seriously think you're just playing games with me now, Mr. Peters. None of this has ever been documented in any survey about the resort. It's a sacred site. What you're telling me is contrary to most of what we're taught of the site in schools. Yeah. Sorry about that. They
3: lied. Hard as it might be to process, the brothers were breeding human-eater hybrids. Volunteering people to accept a mutating infection in the hope, the hope that the infection would start talking back. Don't know how many people went through this process. How many able-bodied men totally abandoned what it means to be human to become some thing. Gorging itself and preparing for the right to ingest the shepherd's essence. When Gourmand bled out, they collected it in a big syringe and stuck it into the chest of the worthy successor. <sighs> Messed up, ain't it? I still don't believe it. The worst part? You didn't ask me what happened to the candidates who were chosen. What happened to them? One last sacred duty carried out by the men in red robes. Left when the red robes drew their blades. Joe and Loving looked slightly embarrassed, slightly sick. Maybe it was over Brother Sloth, I don't know. Loving, Duralcha, and I headed back to the utility corridor. I wanted to go back to Mifflin's loft, watch the rain fall onto the skylights, anything. But I wasn't out of the slaughterhouse very long before I ran into a new friend in a black robe.
0: So, this is the so-called prophet who crashed my afternoon service?
3: Oh, boy. And you're the jerk scaring hell out of a bunch of kids. Ain't there enough to be scared of out in this world that you gotta scare them with boogeymen?
1: What do you want, Elder?
0: I heard another of our order has been chosen. The way you've been talking, I expected your prophet here would be the one. Seems he was passed over. That is not his purpose. Purpose? I want to know your intentions, Mr. Peters. Are you here to change our world, or are you planning to get back behind the wheel of your truck? I don't understand any of that bullshit. Sister Joe says you're some kind of prophet. Sister Joe's a different breed of cat. You should mind the way you wrinkle that pretty little nose up at her. So, you're willing to buy into her line that you're something special, plucked from an obscure job, dumping bodies into a lake, living or dead. And who the hell are you, Spooky? This is Brother
5: Moncastle. Uh, sorry, Elder Moncastle. He is about as high as you get without talking to the elders themselves, or the shepherd.
1: He does not share our view of you as prophet, Kenneth.
0: Brother Loving thinks with his dick, Mr. Peters. He would tell me the sky were violet if it brought him a few inches closer to his priestess. Elder Castle, I... Relax, Sparky.
3: Look, look, man. We're all just trying to find a little comfort in the shitstorm. I'm only here because these folks were good enough to take care of me for a while.
0: And that's fine. We're all about the charity, the service. So, you can go. Oh. I... Can go? You know what you hitched your soul to here at Crackerbox Palace? Really? Can you
3: spell that out? Or, or do you just need to milk be in the center of attention?
0: Brother Loving's the easy one here. He's just one of our loyal supplicants. Three hots and a cot. Nice guy. Does his job. Uh, thank you. Sister Joe. Oh, Sister Joe, Liberated from a loony bin. Dissociative identity disorder. Nine documented personalities. All the result of constant abuse and neglect over her terrible, terrible life. Sounds like somebody's jealousy's not the homecoming queen.
1: I am not Joe, Elder Moncastle. Joe, she does not come to them.
0: You're a disruption.
1: I disrupt your distractions. You want to see one thing. And every time I tell you that what you're looking for is not there, you get angry. Stomp your feet. You will have to understand the truth of this all at some point.
0: We're talking cross-purposes. We want order. We want a scientific study that helps us understand how to control this plague. We tolerate your hocus-pocus rituals because that brings results. But you go too far saying this trucker is some prophet and that these monsters are some sort of new god.
1: Oh, your science. It's like this room within these great structure. You've lived your whole life here, and everything you've done, seen, and documented applies to this room and you have the arrogance to believe that that is all that that can be. I've opened the door, and you see something new. Where six walls stood, you now see more. You see paths into darkness of your knowledge, but you insist that this tiny place is all that ever could be.
0: There are more things on earth and in heaven than are dreamed up in your philosophy class, Joe. We're dealing with an organism, a parasite, with amazing adaptive abilities. It isn't magic. It isn't alien.
1: They shape our dreams. I've come to you in yours. In your dreams, you do what your heart desires, Elder Brother. Would you like to hear the details? Would you like to know how I felt spread atop your altar?
0: Stop it! You're not useful to us if you distract our research. If you have no use, then Duralta should sleep.
1: Sleep? I never sleep. I walk endlessly. Here or on the shores of Jed Carcosa.
0: <laughs> then I'm sorry. Duralta
3: No Get away from her. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: Ah!
4: <sus> <sus> <coughs> ah! <sus> <sus>
2: Chapter 4 starred James Baxter as Ken Brian Lincoln as Mark And Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Joe Featuring B. Busby as Mifflin Peter Cavell as The Priest Stacy Dukes as Brother Loving And Alex Gilmore as Brother Sloth The episode was written and directed by Jay Smith Show running and voice direction by Brian Lincoln Editing by Brian Lincoln and Scott Pig Sound effects and Foley engineering by Scott Pig Engineered, mixed, and mastered by Michael L. Stokes. Musical direction by Michael L. Stokes and Jay Smith. Featuring original music by Michael L. Stokes with incidental music by Kevin McLeod and Jonathan Colton. Used courtesy of the Creative Commons license. HG World is a production of 3015 North Studios with content used with permission under the Creative Commons license. For more information on this production, visit us at www.goodmorningsurvivors.com. You can also search for us on Facebook, or find us on Twitter at HG underscore world.